Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Kirsten in that they're London, and this is my Twitterwoodydum. This is Dumby Dum, the show about the reality docudrama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm Philippa Hall, and post-elections, I'm avoiding showing any party favours. Alongside me, there's our very own foaming banana. Rosie Porty. And not letting the early bird catch his worm, we have... Quentin Rayner. Finally, there's you, our listeners, bearing all in our very own life class. This week's Dumby Dum is from Kirsten. Wow! That was very impressive, Kirsten. There's an email about that later. And on this week's episode, we hear from Emily, Glyn, Jen, Witherspoon, Claire, Isabel, and emails from Kirsten and Rob. So, Quentin, Rosie, how are you both? Well, I ought to explain, if our listeners hear some erroneous traffic noise, it's because I'm sitting in a lay-by, and they may have been asked, why are you sitting in a lay-by on the A389 outside Padstow? It's because I'm... My wife and I are now associated with two words that we never thought we would be associated with, static caravan. We've just taken possession of our caravan and we're absolutely thrilled by it. We're down here in Cornwall, but there is virtually no phone signal where we are. <laughs> oh. So I'm in this salubrious lay-by outside Padstein, staring at a phone mast because I thought this is the best place to do it. And fingers crossed, sounds like you can hear me. Dedication, Quentin. Oh, Dedication yeah. to the podcast. Yes. R- Rosie, <laughs> what about your week? Well, it's been a bit, a little bit kind of up and down in terms of swan-related matters. So I think a few weeks ago I mentioned that I've been spending time with a swan called Bonnie. Mm. And today I spent around four and a half hours assisting with a rescue mission to get Bonnie the swan 
picked up by the SPCA and relocated. So I'm a little bit windswept. So it's a good job we're not videoing this one, Quentin and Philippa, because I've got big hair, a red face, and I was a bit emotional. There were some tears earlier on today, but the good news is that she's safe. Excellent. I'm not. I'm not sure the archers can keep up with the uh, with the saga of Bonnie. <laughs> <laughs> Will she have her own podcast? She deserves one. I think she does. <laughs> How about you, Philippa? Is any part of your body not covered by a tattoo now? <laughs> I was thinking, actually, if I were to get an archer's tattoo, what would that be? But I haven't come up with, with anything yet. But no, t- we have a major catastrophe. I mean, you thought Bonnie the Swan was serious, Rosie. This this is another level. We have a 12-year-old child in the house and we have no ketchup. <gasps> Yeah, it, it's, I don't know what I'm going to do. I feel like I need to make a public announcement or something. The cupboard is bare. I thought I had an extra bottle. So it, it's quite serious here at Tall Towers, but never mind. So we've all had a bit of fun this week. But I'm interested in what you both thought about the week in Ambridge. There was a lot to digest. There was. I mean, we had the kind of Machiavellian politics of Joy Horville to warm us up at the beginning of the week where she effectively trounced Lizzie and Russ and was able to do her party political broadcast, which was, I think, sublime. Mm-hmm. And then we had a lovely, I just really, really quickly, I thought Ben and Rory were lovely with Mia. And then we had the christening. And I think I'm going to leave it to Quentin to, to discuss that one because it's all a wee bit, a wee bit emotional for me. Did anything happen at the christening? <laughs> yes. I mean, thank goodness. I mean, God, it was messy. God, it was awful. But hallelujah, everybody knows. It's what we've all wanted, hasn't it, for weeks and weeks. And it was messy the way it came out. It was brutal the way Emma and laid into her. But I think there was a, a, a mass sigh of relief that finally this dreadful secret is out. And hopefully Alice will get the help and the support that she needs, particularly from her family. Goodness knows where it leaves her and Chris in terms of their marriage. It's not looking good, to say the least. Emma was was brutal, and it just showed how paper-thin that, that, that shopping trip was, wasn't it? Because mm. they were getting on well there. And it, it was so paper-thin, because by the time she... The first opportunity she had to really lay into Alice, I know she was angry on behalf of her brother, but... Oof, that, 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 that was cruel. It was almost eclipsed in terms of pain by having to hear Adam. That was painful to listen to him. <laughs> so yeah, it was his mouth and applies his vocal cords. He's, he's defaulted, isn't he, to be antagonistic to Brian. He, he, he has no other gear. He was just at his utter worst. And I thought Brian was fantastic the way he said, oh, God, you have more tantrums than Kate. Yeah. And he, he, he handles him really well. He just lets him well, blow hot all the time and just mocks him quietly, doesn't he? And yeah, we had crushes, we had party favours. Obviously, all this is going to come up, but it was quite, quite a week. But yeah, relief is how I feel. Yes, it wasn't quite the showdown over the font that I was expecting. They never but, got to the font, uh, did they? <laughs> no, they didn't. But then I love the lighter scenes that were interspersed during the week. Yes. Sometimes I find them sort of a bit grimacing, but the vegan sweets, the party favours, the scenes with Brian. And what was the pose that Russ wanted Lee to strike? I don't know, but yeah, it was, a, it was clearly, an interesting week. Clearly an unnatural one. I, th- I thought the standout scene, I mean, obviously the, the the christening denouement was the, was the big one, the cliffhanger. But I thought, the, I thought the lovely scene, and I tweeted about it, was between Jenny and Susan when 
Jennifer came around to realising that she had to let her make these party favours. And yeah. it was really, really nicely played, nicely scripted. And, you know, Jennifer's tone changed and she suddenly softened and it was lovely. And I thought that was a, that for me, there was a standout scene, apart from imagining, obviously, Joy's curves, which we now know she is a curvaceous lady, don't we? Yeah, good for Joy. Yeah, I love seeing some of the photos on the uh, Facebook group for Dum Dum of what these biscuits might look mm. like representing uh, poor Martha. Pink, pink, pink and big nosed, apparently. Yes, apparently so. But there we go. So that was what we thought. But we need to hear our lovely listeners' views. And if someone wants to get in contact, how can they do that? If you would like to make us a Dum Dum comment on The Archers or leave us a plot prediction, then leave us a message on SpeakPipe, which you can find on the website dumptydum.com. Or you can send a voice note or a text by WhatsApp to 07957 167 696, which has a plus 44 at the start if you're calling from outside the UK. Now, not everybody likes to leave a, a voice message According to Facebook, actually, lots of people don't like the sound of their own voice, but we do like to hear the sound of your voice, so do call in. But if you don't want to, we'd also love to hear from you via email. So if you want to do that, then also head to dumptydum.com and click Contact Us, and your beautifully crafted missives will land in our inbox and will be gratefully received. Indeed they will. So what did you, our lovely Dumpty Dum community, think of the week? Hello, Ambridge3962. And first we have the lovely Emily. Hi, Dumpty Dum. Emily calling from Abu Dhabi, just walking my dogs. Uh, It's 5.30 in the afternoon and it's 33 degrees, so pretty toasty. Just wanted to call, having listened to Thursday's episode, I'm so relieved that Alice's alcoholism is out of the bag. And everyone knows and that Chris just completely broke down, which was just really, I think, just so positive for him and for her in the long run. Predictable, but a shame that Emma was so unkind and aggressive towards Alice. Understandable, given the fact that Chris is her brother. But well, I hope that the scriptwriters will choose a character that can see despite um, on the surface looks very selfish, etc., that Alice is clearly unwell and needs help. And I hope that that character is Fallon, who has clearly been really hurt by what Alice did with Harrison. But actually, if she can see past that and see that it's an illness and she needs to support her friend, I think that'd be a really good storyline. Oh, just about to lose a dog. Bella! Sorry about that. Um, and then the other thing was uh, Russ, just having Russ back. Gosh, he's so awful. And I just don't think people in Ambridge realise when someone's doing you a favour for a commercial project, you need to be really nice to them. He was so demanding and horrible uh, to Lee. And Elizabeth did the same thing to Jim when he was doing the stories, those stories at Lower Loxley. Anyway, I'm hoping the whistle doesn't hurt people's ears. Okay, thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you, Emily. That was great. When I first heard you, I thought you said Abba Dovey, and then I heard the the temperature and realised I was slightly wrong. Rosie, what do you have to say about Emily's call? 
Well, I think congratulations for walking your dog, I think, in such heat. That's impressive. Your dog must have amazing internal air conditioning. I think in terms of the yay, everything's out there now in terms of the Alice situation, there's definitely a huge grain of truth in that in the sense that at least now there is, well, very public acknowledgement that Alice has a drinking problem. I'm not sure Chris is taking the right approach in terms of, again, you know, taking Martha away from Alice. And I'm really not sure if there is going to be a a reconciliation. Lots of folk out there in, I think, Facebook and Twitter are hoping that there's going to be a, a loving reconciliation between Alice and Chris. And I'm not quite sure of the stepping stones that are going to be needed to make that happen. I think Witherspoon has previously talked about a great organisation that provides kind of in-home care for mothers and new babies called Trevi. And I would I would like it if Alice and Martha were, were, were able to go to a centre like that rather than, you know, Martha being with Chris at Ambridge View and, and Alice being squirrelled away somewhere hmm. on her own. I It all just feels a bit isolating for me at the moment but but quentin you're sat in a very hot car near padstow yeah so can you em- empathize with the heat i can i'm sweating buckets this week for, to do this podcast because the sun is out here in north cornwall i'm baking in the car I, I i empathize with emily walking bella the dog in 33 degrees celsius uh, not quite as hot here but it feels like it well, I mean, she she picked up ex- exactly, didn't she, with my opening remarks about this week, the, the the relief, the widespread relief felt that Alice's secret is out, albeit in a in a brutal way. Interesting that Emily was ashamed the way Emma reacted, and it, and it was it was cruel, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Hopefully, she will calm down and realise that she needs to build some bridges there. She Emily would like to see Fallon as the friend to build her up again that's going to be an interesting dynamic isn't it given the recent history between alice and fallon not wanting deciding to withdraw from being godparents Mm. also her resentment that she made a pass at harrison so not not the easiest of of bridge building to go on there we shall see but when you look around in terms of friends who else can she turn to really she's supposed to got kate her sister but I think Kate might begin to play a blinder in this. I think I've got a hunch. That's my hunch. Russ is so awful. Yeah, that's why we love him. <laughs> Dreadful, man. Awful, awful. But I, I was thinking about this before the podcast. Who do I dislike more, Adam or Russ? I have to say Adam. Mm. If I had to say, who would you get rid of? And never hear of it from again. Adam would get my vote. So Russ is there for to make everybody else look decent but she's right he was awful awful the way he behaved when he was trying to get a favor out of lee so yeah good, good call emily I'm, I'm with you all the way and i agree with emily because russ seemed worse than normal even and elizabeth had been the same when jim was doing the christmas readings and, and i started thinking when has elizabeth actually reached out to help anybody i just couldn't think of any time when she's reached out and, and being compassionate to somebody. Maybe I'm judging her, but I thought, yeah, it's a good call, Emily. Well done. Do write in if you can think of Liz. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what did she do? Please tell us. Exactly. So thanks, Emily. That that was great. And uh, from Emily to the fabulous Glyn. Hello, Dumpty Dum. It's Glyn here. 
sort of on location, but I'll put more of that on the Facebook page because I want to get straight into the Archers this week. The Chris and Alice story has to be addressed. And as I've been listening to it, I've realized that the only person who I've known reasonably well who has suffered from a similar alcohol addiction to Alice was someone in a very similar position, a young lady who was well-educated from a middle-class family, married, concealed her drinking from her new husband, then had a child, then it all came out, the marriage collapsed, and this all happened about 45 years ago. And I'd like, and there were 40 years more then of the story, and I'd like to say there was a redemptive or recovery ending I'm afraid all I can say was there were periods of stability, but there were more of sadness. The impact of the alcohol addiction on her and the people around was was ultimately tragic, I have to say. So the scriptwriters, if could have us strapped in here for a very long period of time. On happier note, Joy, let's all hope that she is elected to the parish council. She saved the day in spectacular style on Monday. Lee, you are a bit of a wimp, but at least it gave us the mind picture of Joy and her curves being drawn. For that, we'll be grateful. Thank you. Glenn, that that was brilliant. So, yes, the potential tragic end as as. Glyn knows himself and and joy the joy of joy Rosie what what are your views what well, joy brings joy to the world people have very weird views about joy out there in the archers twitter sphere and facebook land in terms of people seem to have found her really annoying to begin with and then they kind of they've gradually warmed to her i mean i'm mm. still convinced that she is a a UCO in relation to line of duty because <laughs> she was able to deal with the Timothy fly tipping work like within within 24 hours that was just done and dusted so in my view joy is kind of potentially part of a sleeper cell undercover officer type person i just love joy and i would love to hear more from her when she's psychically communicating with animals like she did with Jim and Tony. So we've had a few a few examples where Joy's chemistry with many of the villagers has shone through and when she was out helping to look for Hilda. And again, in terms of Hilda, I've seen some horrible things about what happens if Martha ends up living with Peggy and what will Hilda the cat do? And I'm like, well, Hilda is a better judge of character than most of the folk in Ambridge. And I think Hilda would be a lovely cuddly you know kind of cat auntie to martha but maybe that's just my view quentin in terms of sort of joy's attributes which which <laughs> attributes are you most in favor of her curves well her personality <laughs> well i mean obviously glenn's ears pricked up like-minded but, but the, the, the mention of all these curves so yes that's very much fixed in in our minds at the moment in fact it's prompted some speculation on twitter somebody who who i am in contact with quite a lot on 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 twitter certainly she comments a bit on on the archers as well is is her hashtag is at icod and she put out a tweet wondering what 
we thought joy looked like because we all build up a mental picture. So I would direct you to at ICOD's Twitter feed because eventually uh, she put up a picture of what she thinks joy looks like. Most of which I agreed with. I just thought hair would have been a slightly shorter, uh, slightly less glossy lipstick, maybe a tiny bit older, but I think that's Joy. So at ICOD, if you want to see what Joy looks like. So, yes, Joy has been a, a wonderful Philip, hasn't she, to, to us all. We needed her. And she is clearly being established as, as an important character, I think. I hope so, anyway. Fingers crossed she does get elected to the parish council. We've yet to hear that, haven't we? Interesting to hear Glyn's perspective and all this from personal experience. Very sad to hear about your your friend Glyn 45 years ago. Wow. Mm. And no redemptive ending, he said. What's like most alarmed me from Glyn's call is that he thinks, uh, you know, the, the script writers might be strapping us in for a long time. Mm. Whew, you know, there's that famous Ambridge fairy isn't there? Uh, <laughs> that sorts out problems in a few months. Blimey, I hope, the, I, hope the, I hope the fairy's flying over Alice at the moment because for her sake and also for ours, I think uh, we need this resolving. But, you know, if, if they're going to do this in an authentic way, then yeah. perhaps Glyn's right. It's going to go on for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it, it's that balance. It's very uncomfortable to hear, but equally you want the story to be as true as possible. And uh, and therefore we, we have to sort of suffer with them. But Joy, I think the script writers have, have certainly led me a merry dance. I didn't like Joy at the beginning and now I, I love, I think she's fabulous. Although she said, et cetera, et cetera. And if there's one thing Ooh, I can't. Oh, that's annoying. It's just, it's the worst thing, I think. So Joy needs to redeem herself from that, but hopefully she will. She'd certainly get my vote. And it would be nice on the parish council to have someone who isn't a silent character, because there are so many of those, it seems, on, on the parish council. So yeah, let I really hope Joy get gets in and can lead her revolution. I how, do you, how do you think she's going to get on with Jim, though, as Clark? Oh, that's an interesting one. I think it would be all right because when Jim got a sniff of Susan wanting to stand, he put her sort of short thrift to that. So I think he'd be okay with Joy. I think he'd sort of, he'd tolerate. And uh, yeah, she'd say. I think think they'd clash a bit initially until they sort of set out some ground rules, don't you? I, think... I don't know, because they got on when they were looking after the corvid. So a while ago, Joy found an injured corvid under a hedge. And Jim and Joy basically helped to rescue it and, and took it to the vets. And Alistair was very dismissive and was basically about to put it down. And, and Jim and Joy, I think, convinced him not to. So they've they've shown a good partnership. And in his recent dialogue with Tracy, we've seen a kind of warmer more relaxed, relaxed, less mm. stuffed shirt version of Jim. Mm. When he first said that, I thought they'd fa- <laughs> they'd found a virus under a. F- <laughs> oh, no, sorry. Corvid, not COVID, <laughs> like a raven or a crow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they haven't found a kind of massively transmittable virus under a hedge in Ambridge. Although, to be honest, there are so many things under hedges. Poor, poor Alice was found under one, wasn't she? That's true. Before we finish with Glenn, just to say, go to our Facebook page and you'll see Glenn's pictures of his walks and his wild garlic. Yes, which are fantastic as always. So thank you, Glyn. That was that was just great. And from one great call to another superb call, this is Jen from Ambridge Pony Club. 
Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum land. It's been a big week in the Archers, incredibly well written, and congratulations to everybody involved for the acting, the writing. It's been fantastic. I hope that is the turning point in the Alice storyline. I hope this is the nadir and that we are now going to start seeing some healthy recovery and some proper supports coming into play. Because although the writing has been brilliant, the one thing I would criticise the Archers about is there have been no helplines. There's been no connections to the various agencies that can support people and families affected by alcoholism. And I think really in any storyline that they were going to use those, this would have been the one and they should have been flagging help early and often with this Alice storyline. It's affected a lot of listeners. It's affected me. In our family, it was my dad who was a very functional alcoholic. If your loved one is self-harming to a point that they could could die, you'd like to think the doctors would tell the family, but they don't and they can't. The addict, because they're addicts and they can't, they can't stop and they don't want to do something that will make them stop. And also because of the shame, won't talk about it. And it's shame that's killing people out there. I've heard Reverend Richard Coles talking a lot this week about his partner, David, who was also affected by alcoholism and how shame really stopped them from having support and being able to talk about it when he was alive. And I think that's is affecting Alice in the storyline a lot as well. So let's see the storyline, show this for what it is, that it's a disease, that it's a very difficult disease to beat and that families dealing with a loved one with it need a lot of help. I remember after Dad died, nobody around us was very surprised, but we were shocked. Denial is a really strange thing. And I think Jenny and Brian are going to be in that position and wonder why nobody told them that Alice had a problem. So if you're concerned about someone, reach out. Well, Jen, that was a call just to stop you in your tracks, wasn't it, Quentin? Very much so. We're getting a lot of personal testament here, aren't we? We just had one from Glyn and now one from, from Jen about her father, who she described as a functioning alcoholic, but was it's the shame that she said is, is killing people. They're not seeking mm. the help or not aware of the help that is around. And so often at the end of these big, programs you do get if you've been affected by don't you messages at the end yes there has been an absence of that Mm. from the archers i suppose they might say well you know it's dominating so much you know it it, it become almost too repetitive to say but i think it needs to have been mentioned sometimes or maybe at the end of the week or after the Mm. omnibus or whatever so i think that's that's a fair point especially from somebody with her own personal experience the thing that really pulled me up is when she said after dad died, no one around us was surprised. Mm. And it's that silence. It's like there was a conspiracy of silence because people don't know what to say. Should they say anything? Should they interfere? Have they got it wrong? Have they got it right? But actually deep down, they know somebody like her father was an alcoholic and then ultimately not surprised that he has died as a result. Mm. But, and she said the families are, you know, we wish somebody had told us because we were in denial. Mm. So it's a very complicated mix, isn't it, all this? And this is what's coming out of all this. It's not clear cut. And I think like a lot of Archer's listeners, 
I have learned a lot. I, I, I mm. thankfully, I'm not an alcoholic. I don't think I have ever really known anybody who is. I know people who've died, but they're not friends or whatever. I've heard of people who died. So I have learned a lot, and I think a lot of other people have as well. And she's right about Richard Coles, the Reverend Richard Coles. He's obviously doing the rounds at the moment. I mean, I've heard him on James O'Brien's Full Disclosure. She's been on, he's been on Jay Rayner's podcast as well, and also Ian Dale off LBC. And the consistent point he's made is that he, he was full of fury, full of rage about what his husband David was doing and destroying his life and, and theirs as well. But he reached a point where he thought there's no point getting angry anymore. It's, it's, he, he, he hates himself enough as it is. Me getting furious and raging with him is counterproductive the best thing i can do is just love him mm -hmm. and once he had that realization things improved sadly david couldn't give up drinking and he died tragically young but you know for, for richard coles that was a revelation for him so another revealing call thank you jen i mean i think c compassion and understanding you know qualities that many people you know, don't have when it comes to an illness like alcoholism or, or drug addiction. And the, I guess there's a kind of the silence around people who, who are struggling with that in a way by not discussing it just increases the level of shame that, that mm -hmm. you know, that the person suffering from it feels. And, and there is a conspiracy of silence in many, many families when there is somebody suffering with with such an illness and there are lots of i think stories coming out because of you know through social media as a result of this particular storyline from listeners who are sharing incredibly sad narratives about colleagues at work family members uh, who have passed away as a result of of this illness and i think the tragedy that sort of comes out of it is that kind of lack of intervention. Uh, again, I'll, I'll come back to kind of my kind of views about Fallon, which is that Fallon, you know, the daughter of a, you know, quasi-alcoholic, should have been far more sympathetic and empathic towards Alice rather than just projecting her anger towards her father onto Alice. And she, you know, has really let herself down in this mm -hmm. instance she has not been a good and true friend and yes she didn't have you know tell brian all when brian had a go at her in the week and again that was another you know tick to add to my reasons for hating brian aldridge and so well done to fallon for not you know spilling the beans but i thought it was I, I, I still think it was shocking the way that fallon has behaved and a true friend would have reached out to Alice as a new mother and as somebody who's really, really suffering and spoken to her. And I guess all we can all hope is that, you know, and I'm, and I'm so sorry, Jen, to hear about your father. That's, it's heartbreaking. And, you know, and thank you so much for, for being so brave and sharing what happened with us. I feel really privileged that you did that. So... So yes, I agree. Thank you for, for sharing that. It, it's um, invaluable to have this. And from the other people sharing on the on Facebook as well, it, it seems that the way this story is being portrayed in The Archers 
is entirely realistic. And that's quite a shock for me because I would have thought, well, are they doing it properly? Are they doing it justice? But it seems they are very accurately portraying what can happen. And for, for me, it's almost as if people are seeing Alice as the villain and it's it's not. It's it's alcohol. It's almost as if it's an extra character in the scenes and, and it's the alcohol that that's the that's the villain in this and it, it what you want is people to move the judgment from Alice and move it on to to the alcohol I'd, but now we're going to have issues about about Brian Rosie we're going to have issues well, I, I, I must step in here and defend Brian because he's my favorite character and I know lots of other people's favorite character I, I, he, he's He's a complete swine and brute sometimes, and he was awful with Fallon. And I wish when she said, your daughter's a train wreck, she actually followed through and told him why. Mm. And that's sort of railing about saying, well, this buffet better be perfect because that's the least you can do, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> In his defence, he was obviously upset that his daughter had been upset that they'd withdrawn as godparents without having any idea as to why. I'd would have been interesting to know, see, hear his reaction if he knew the background. But it doesn't justify how bloody rude he was. But that's Brian, and that's why we love or hate him. For me, I've always, I was, there were always good scenes with him, never dull scenes. He's well written, well acted. He's a rounded character with all his flaws and faults and good, good aspects. But uh, no, I mean, Brian was awful in that scene. But overall, I'm a big Brian fan. Yeah, he was awful, but he was Brian. And that's, I, I love Brian. And for me, it's how he redeems the situation now. Mm. I hope that he doesn't deny it. And, and Jen's used this word denial. And I hope mm. that Brian doesn't deny it and that he really swings into action because he didn't know. So when he was going to Fallon about putting out as a godparent, he was he was just going in on on that basis, not yes. knowing the, the full reason. But yes. please, please let him redeem himself. I would be very grateful if he... Well, uh, I would love it if he would, Philippa. But I mean, you know, he hasn't apologised for poisoning the act. He hasn't apologised for effectively making his, his wife homeless well, he, he hasn't apologized he, 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 he did apologize for something recently i know it's what? rare but he did it's about as rare as a and an aldridge apology is rare i grant you and kate actually apologized didn't she last week but brian did apologize i can't remember what for i think for me i i love all the characters i mean yes i don't i don't love russ i don't love adam but but i like having them there because you need it's like a pantomime you need the different characters someone to groan at someone to get cross at and if if we didn't have adam and russ and brian there there would be others coming in so i I think i'm just too in love with the archers frankly but i just yes welcome everybody all the characters they're all wonderful but there we go. That was Jen, and thank you so much for that very personal call. It was it was greatly appreciated. And now we go to the wonderful Witherspoon, and I'm going to get his job right. He is a psychiatrist, unlike what uh, all the different job titles Royville gives him in jest. I know. So from the upper, lower, east, west side, here is Witherspoon. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. 
Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. I want to thank fellow Dumpty Dummer Leslie Hughes for posting the link to Jay Rayner's interview with the Reverend Richard Coles on his podcast, Out to Lunch. Richard talked about his relationship with his late partner, David, David's battle with alcoholism, and the secrecy of it. Richard noted that he received much support from Al-Anon. The most important take-home message of the interview was when Richard said that the big breakthrough for him was realizing that his being angry with David for his drinking too much was ridiculous, and that the last thing David needed was for someone to make him feel worse about himself than he already did. Richard said he stopped being angry and then was just very loving, which made a huge difference. Returning to Ambridge, we have heard Emma, Fallon, and most especially Chris be very angry at Alice for her alcohol abuse. And indeed, it's only made her feel worse about herself. Harrison and Alan, who have had experience working with addicts, have been supportive and have tried to encourage her to get additional treatment. We hope the public unmasking of Alice's alcoholism represents her rock bottom, and that she is ready to cross her personal Rubicon. But she needs assistance to obtain the help she needs. Will it be a family member, maybe her mom or Kate or even Peggy, or someone outside the family, such as Alan? We certainly haven't seen a mental health professional who's aware of this young mother's ordeal step in. As an aside, one thing I was happy in my mind's eye to see was Brian witnessing the entire scene at the church. Time will tell if Brian is a father who only revels in the accomplishments of his children or is there to do the hard work of being a parent. Talk to you soon. That picks up on exactly our last point. How is Brian going to react? Mm. I wasn't aware that Brian was hearing all this. And Jennifer was mentioned, wasn't she? Because Chris said, let her hear. But I didn't know if Brian was outside, but let's assume he was. Let's assume everybody mm. heard about it. So yeah. yes, it's, it'll be very interesting. And that's what really what we were saying. Can Brian redeem himself? Will he, Can he only revel in his children's achievements? Mm. And she is the golden girl, as Kate pointed out the other day as well. So uh, chip off the old block, which Adam had a go at him about as well. So it's going to be a, a, a big... A big blow for Brian personally because she is definitely his 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 favourite. I think Brian, you know, is 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 you know, in a way, culpable for what's happened to Alice because he, you know, is all after being you know effectively at the head end of the birth and then going off with Mandy Beesburg to the races, being disappointed she was a girl, kind of ignoring her for a long time, and then as she you know began to kind of take on the Aldridge ethos and be I guess hyper successful academically he began to love her and demonstrate that and show his and and, and, he, and he's like you know oh you chip off the old block and the whole robot farming thing which was on farming today earlier this week by the way I was listening to it thinking Alice get back to Price Behrman all is forgiven <laughs> I mean and, and you know Brian you know he was the one that took her away from Nick's funeral so when she was being wholly inappropriate at the funeral. Brian was the one to usher her away. And he's just kind of brushed all under the carpet. And I, you know, I'd hope he would be supportive and caring, but I don't remember him, you know, really being there for Debbie when she was in that abusive relationship necessarily. I think other than potentially having a go at, you know, her partner. But he does have more time on his hands, so perhaps... He, he will find time to help Alice, let's hope. 
I mean, I hope so. I mean, I think what was really interesting, though, was effectively Witherspoon and Quentin were kind of almost word for word in terms of the Richard Cole's it biography. Mm. I've, I've heard, Amazing. I've heard two of these podcasts he's been on. So, yes, uh, Witherspoon picked up on exactly what I picked up on from listening those to those two podcasts. Yeah, that, that really was the standout point that he made. And, again, he was talking about the support services that are available, Al Anon, which I know, Rosie, you've mentioned several times. So maybe this, the editors, script writers, producers have to think of a way of getting across to those listeners who are directly affected by this, the support that is out there to try and minimise the, the shame that, 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 that many, the shame and denial that, that is, you know, influencing this storyline mm. hugely. And but when I'll, you, sorry. I'd also like to say, and it, it, Witherspoon just to demonstrate a masterclass, I thought, in compressing a lot into two minutes. He does, he does do that extremely well, doesn't he? So hats off to you, Witherspoon. Yes, I thought it was a fascinating call. And the way he worded about Brian reveling in his mm. kids' uh, achievements or mm. do the hard work of being a parent. But some of the phrases that were spoken on that last episode on Thursday, you know, Chris, about... Martha, don't touch her. And Emma, how could you, Alice? It's it's so hard to hear. And when Alice was talking with Alan earlier on, and she said, God, God sees what I do and judges me terribly. And I just thought, gosh, it's it, even putting the alcohol to one side. It's, it, it sounds like she's got postnatal depression as well. And you just think, oh, this poor girl, Alice, trying, you know, trying to work her way through it and not getting the love and support that, that she needs. And hopefully, mm. hopefully that will, will come in time. But, but we've uh, no. also got another domestic scenario coming up because if he, Chris, takes Martha back to Susan and Neil's, then he's moving back home with a baby. So that's going to have lots of dramatic potential, isn't it? And it will affect uh, the relationship between Susan and Jennifer as oh, well, or all these sort of spin-offs. So, yes, there's there's a, a lot to look out for this week. But Witherspoon, wonderful as always. And uh, now let's hear from the superb Claire from Clapham. Hey, Dumpty Dum, Claire from Clapham here. It's obviously been a very dramatic week, but I thought I'd just comment on something else that happened this week, which was how Adam just seemed so much like Kate's brother, in the sense that I like, just had a similar feel about them when he was uh, complaining about Jazza getting a job with the pigs. I mean, it, it does not reflect well upon Adam. And I know that, you know, that I don't know many people who are a fan of Adam in the first place, to be fair. <laughs> but it was so like, it was all about him. He was so petulant. He was so childish about it with Brian. It was like he's employed someone with years and years of experience in looking after pigs to look after fish and lettuce. And then he gets into a strop when that person gets a job looking after pigs. Like, <laughs> where's the sense of kind of, I don't know, pride in Jazza for getting a good job with pigs? Or, like, you know, even any kind of recognition that that might be better for Jazza on the whole. It was all about him. Oh, what am I going to do now? Oh, Brian, you should have told me. I was like, oh, my goodness me. That man is just... So childish in some ways and so self-centered. And it's just the sort of thing Kate would have done. And that's, mm. it's just an Aldridge thing, maybe. So, um, yeah, that's my little observation of the week, aside from all the other drama. So, um, keep up the good work. Speak to you soon. Adam. Oh, do I have to? 
Yes, you do. Come on, Quentin. Well, he, I mean, he, he's not her blood sister, blood brother, is he? They're not related by blood, but they are clearly behaving like siblings, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Although, you know, I have a soft spot for Kate because I, th- I think she has some redeeming qualities. She's never dull. <laughs> She's always, as I will say, stirs things up and... She does have flashes of humanity and 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 decency. She has the capacity in flashes to think about others. And she makes me laugh, all of which Adam doesn't. So, yes, Claire is completely right. Mm. But as I said before, he, he, there's no – he has no gears. He just goes straight into – I suppose yeah, I was going to say fourth, but now it's six, isn't it, on a modern gearbox. Whenever he's dealing with, with Brian – antagonism mm. straight away and as she as claire said it's all about him self-centered childish selfish uh, you know you can't keep a pig man like jazza looking after fish and lettuce he's a pig man and uh, brian said you know that, that's what he is why are you so surprised so i thought brian came out well well out of that scene because he, he mocked adam for for, for for showing himself so yes i completely agree with you claire there was Adam appeared in the scene and there was far too much of him as a result. <laughs> I mean, Jasso is never going to be away from his girls for that no. long, is he? No. He just is an archetypal pig man. I mean, I wonder what will happen with Adam because he and Ian are miserable. <laughs> now he's lost his aquaponic fish farmer coordinator. I'm not sure what's happening with the deer. So there's going to be an almighty, you know, stramash about Kate moving her yurts to the rewilding land. I mean, like, what is... And, and obviously, Rory, I mean, he's saying he wants to be a kind of financier. But in reality, you know, Rory's going to inherit whatever's left of home farm. So what's what's the point of Adam? Well, what is the point of Adam, apart from making us moan and groan when we hear him? I did laugh when Brian said, I, wasn't, I didn't want to tell you, I didn't want you huffing and puffing. I thought, yeah, spot on, Brian. But then if Adam had said how pleased he was that Jazza had found a job that suited him and that was really good news, I think we'd have been even more worried because that just wouldn't have been true to form at all. And thank goodness Jazza got out because I was thinking, well, which is the better place for Jazza to, to work at in terms of job security? And, and it sounds like working with the pigs was definitely the right choice not not just enjoying it but actually job security so thank thank goodness jazza got out and remember what he said to tracy when he was showing tracy the aquaponics setup and he was considering whether to take the pig job or not and he reflected that adam is the only person he sees Mm. in any one day (laughs) he said can you You know, Adam's the only <laughs> man I see coming in and boring me about, can you imagine that's the only person you see? And, and to, to, that was the moment that it should have crystallised in his head that he had to go for this for this Barrow job, and I'm glad he did. He's back, he's back with his girls. It says something, though, when a pig is better company than <laughs> them, isn't it? That's not, not good at they, all. They have more of a sense of humour than he does, I tell you. Oh. Oh, we, we, do. I, I know, we know why he's there. He's there to wind us up and he does. I fall for it every time. Yes, yes. But we'd we'd be lost without it. Well, would we be lost oh, without him? No, I don't know. No. But I he, don't think so. I think, yeah. I think, you know, Charlie Thomas should whisk Adam away <laughs> and then Ian can, can co-parent Zander with Lexi or whomever. There has to be a, some kind of shift 
to sort of do something because Adam's just in stasis. As and we haven't heard from Ian in ages, other than when he was sending, I think, Freddie in to kind of scope out his rival, and then he was recently talking about was it peasant food suppers in a yeah. tagine? <laughs> what? <laughs> But maybe, maybe this is the time that Adam will really swing into his own with Alice when he realises her addiction. Maybe he just needs to look after somebody and maybe that will be his redemption. I'll drive her to more drink. <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> he, he, he would me. Go <laughs> Claire, that, that was a great call. I love the, uh, the comparison between uh, Adam and Kate. So from Claire, let's go to Isabel. Hi, so this week... Alice and Chris. It hasn't really been a hard listen, really, until Thursday when everything kicked off or held brutally. So I thought Alice and Chris were happy. She was showing Chris photos of her on the beach. So she was showing photos on the computer of a beach in the Isle of Wight. And I thought that scene was really, you know, like, happy because... You know, she was t- talking about Martha's future and stuff like that. And, and then um, on Thursday, when everything kicked off, I mean, part of me was being like, oh, this is really sad, you know, Martha's having Martha's getting taken away. And the other part of me was like, about time. You know, about time that the family knew. So I'm kind of glad, but not glad, if you know what I mean. The life drawing. <laughs> I can't believe Joy like came to save the day i mean like why would she do that i mean like (laughs) and i don't think russ should have like made lee do it naked anyway i think this nudity stuff shouldn't be allowed you know like people should have some clothes on at least felon part of me kind of agrees with her and part of me doesn't agrees that like Alice is like we don't know really know what she's capable of and stuff like that but the other part of me doesn't agree you know like she's going a bit over the top sorry this call was a bit all over the place oh and by the way um you know last week Royfield when I said that you'd be missed when you left for some strange reason like a part of me thinks, you know, I'm a bit hypocritical. I mean, I've only been listening to Dumpty Dum for like six weeks. But yeah, you will be missed by me. Well, thank thank you, Isabel. I, I think we ought to take a vote here between the three of us. Uh, are we missing Royfield? Yes. All right. Creep. <laughs> <laughs> I know what side my bread's buttered. You do, yes, you I do. Am. Yes. Yeah, he, he is Mr. Dumpty Dumpty, that cannot be denied, but he's enjoying putting his feet up, but he still is editing this programme and pulling some strings behind the scenes, I tell you. Isabel, as ever, she has a lot of thoughts about all sorts of things. She mentioned those photos from the Isle of Wight, the festival festivals that Alice didn't want included because it showed that her rather merry on the booze. That spawned a discussion. I didn't see all of it, but I saw the sort of the opening post from somebody sorry i I forget your name querying and and slightly upset that that they felt that script writers generally across drama have it in for the isle of Wight. it's always portrayed in a rather derogatory way it's something that never occurred to me i I, anyway that's on on facebook have script writers got it in for the isle of Wight? feel free to pile in there also was pleased wasn't she that the family now know and that is my main 
takeaway from this week, Isabel, I completely agree with you on that. It had to happen. The boil had to be burst. And I'm just delighted that it has. She also loved Joy, what made her chuckle anyway. Hmm. Joy coming in and yes. taking and, over from Lee. Yes. And I mean, it is, I just, again, it's kind of, what is the point of Russ other than to make everybody's hackles rise? It's to make us just, all want to tear our clothes off. I think that's what Russ has. The, that's well, it kind of makes me want to put a, you know, <laughs> no. kind of, I don't know, kind well, of get a shield. Yeah. Well, sleazy. maybe not our clothes, but tear our hair out, put it that way. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's just the biggest sleazy. He's my slug. He's my slimy slug I put up Sleazy slug. He is. Yeah. So it made, it made, it made her chuckle in she terms of said, Roy coming in. Not Roy. Joy. Roy. Joy. Why am I calling Joy Roy? Well, well I do fraud. love Roy as well. That's and again, a that's a Freudian slip, Rosie. Well, I was just thinking about Roy because I love Roy. And again, I think there's an interesting, there's, there's so many different threads to kind of the, the Archer's listeners in terms of there's a real kind of Roy's boring, what's the point of Roy? And then actually when he's with Lexi, he's completely different. So I'm just like, bring Lexi back, get rid of Adam. Let's just like move it. this on and have some happiness. I like Roy. He may be boring, but he's solid. You know, he's a decent fella. And he's always there for you. So I'm, I'm a Roy fan as well. She, but Isabel f- was quite adamant. She said nudity shouldn't be allowed. So she's 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 against this this life drawing class, isn't she? I, I think yeah. she's I think she's more against the fact that Russ was making people do it. You know, there weren't any other options, which I, I think is right. I have to agree. I'm not a fan of the life drawing, but if that's what they want to do. But uh, Isabel mentioned Fallon and Fallon described Alice as gorgeous, totally gorgeous. Mm. And that was, I was quite shocked by that because in my mind, yes, Alice was pretty, but not sort of this knockout gorgeous person to be sort of admired. Was that a shock to you both or was... you know, going back to what I was discussing, you know, you know, about how we imagine joy to be. And I was saying that thread that uh, I, I've had on Twitter, I've gradually built up an, an image of joy. And I think I've pretty much got it right, parked it now in my head with the help of others on Twitter. Alice, I've never been able to, 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 uh, to picture completely. You get flashes of description. And it was very interesting. I thought that Alan was so emphatic about that saying you know, she's mm. gorgeous and suspicious that harrison would find it irresistible as a result so she must be pretty good looking if fallon felt that strongly yeah but i think I actually quentin I think, I, th- I think we need sorry, to sorry on social media a bit with joy i think we need to build up a picture of what we think alice looks like sorry rosie you go well, I say, but this links back to your point you made a couple of weeks ago about fallon jumping on this you know, quasi pass that Alice made yes. as a, a reason to kind of push against Harrison. Yes. And the baby. Yes. And it, to me, it felt incredibly forced and like she was trying to create a schism with her husband because all of this nonsense about, you know, I can't, I can't do the kind of like the kind of Devon, well, well, you're near Devon, the kind of Devonian type accent that Fallon has. Oh, she's gorgeous type yes. thing. And yes. it felt completely false. And again, it felt like there was a... I, did, I thought actually it sounded sincere. Isn't that funny? I, did, I, I thought she was trying to soften up a bit and actually engineer a, a chance to flatter her husband as being very handsome, which he rather enjoyed. 
That's how, um, that's that was my reading of it. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't get that. I just got anxiety from Fallon and her sort of self esteem. Yeah, there was anxiety, yeah, but I think it was sincere. Sorry, carry on. Yeah. No, well, that's very good. So I just want to thank everyone for your calls. We just valued them so much. Please keep them coming. They they make this podcast what it is. Rosie, again, I ask with all fingers crossed, do we have any emails? Uh, we do. We have two emails. The first is from the wonderful Kirsten, who actually created today's Dumpty Dum. And she explains that she you know, she actually played the Dumpty Dum on a very special instrument, a tawny owl, owl hoot, handcrafted from supply chain wood, whatever that is. And she isn't a, a first time Dumpty Dumber, but it's been a while. And effectively, she had Ambridge growing up. But her first character that cut through was Jack Woolley because he had a dog. He was working class and had a regional accent. And so one of the earliest storylines she tuned into was his descent into dementia. Other early storylines standouts are the fallout from Ruth's affair with Sam and her breast reconstruction surgery and the arrival of Jim Lloyd, just because I love his voice. I suspect I subconsciously remember it from daytime TV in the early 80s when I was preparing to be ill to get off school. So Kirsten is a gym and she says, hope you enjoy the hoops and she loves she loved the newish team's first solo flight. So thank you very much, Kirsten Foster. Isn't that a lovely email? I thought it was I thought it was a great email. Thank you. And Kirsten, we, we would like more dum de dums from, from you. Please keep them keep them coming. Okay. Um, and the uh, the second email was from Rob Williams. And the subject is the fourth man dot dot dot. Mm. The message says, finally, it all now makes sense. Philip Moss was just a cog in the machinery. That was obvious by the way he deferred to Victoria when he got rid of his horses. Victoria was obviously someone near the middle, being able to buy, sell and move people around with ease. So the question is, who is at the top of the tree? In the parlance of line of duty, who is the fourth man? Who is H? Just as in line of duty, clues were dropped years ago and were so subtle that no one noticed them. Only as everything starts to resolve itself do all the links and connections become apparent. How did they refer to Blake, Jordan and Kenzie? Horses, who arrived on the scene years earlier and arrived his presence for the drawing of horses. I give you the fourth man, H. Leonard Berry. <laughs> <laughs> Leonard. Brilliant. Now I've got a I've got a view on that. I know who the fourth fourth man is. It's the one who's not here. It's Royfield. Royfield is H. <laughs> yes. <laughs> definitely. That was great, Rob. That was absolutely super. And now let's sit back for some socials with Lillian. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. 
Shopify.com slash work. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Lillian here with this week's Social Media Roundup. On a Sunday afternoon in Middlesbrough, in the northeast of England, where we are now looking forward to things starting to open up after we come out of lockdown. Since I last recorded, I've had a haircut, a meal out and a drink outside a, a local pub. So things are starting to feel a little bit more normal. Enough of my ramblings and on to our favourite docudrama, The Archers. And again, it's been a very difficult week in The Archers, hasn't it? had a lot of drama. A lot of people in the groups felt like Thursday's episode was a very difficult listen. Many people were very critical of Chris and the way that he publicly humiliated his wife. I could see both sides of this really because let's face it, Chris has been really struggling with this and with very little support. And the one person that he thought he could rely on, Harrison, Alice ruined that, didn't she, when she made a pass at him. And I think what happened on Thursday night was it just all got too much for him. And Alice drinking on the morning of Martha's christening was just too much for him to bear. And it all came tumbling out. Of course, a lot of people were also critical of Emma. But I thought Emma did really well especially when she tried banged the heads together, metaphorically speaking, of course, of Rex and Pip. They were behaving appallingly, weren't they, really? On Wednesday's episode, we had the chat with Alice and Alan, which everybody thought was generally a good and encouraging thing. But the main thing that came out of Wednesday's episode was the earworm. When I'm 64, Sandra asked the question in the group, has everybody now got a Beatles earworm? Many comments were made on the post, giving lots of Beatles song titles, including Martha, my dear, and others. But I think the main thing that Sandra was getting at with this post was the song When I'm 64, and the verse that mentions about the cottage in the Isle of Wight, if it's not too dear. They wouldn't have to scrimp and save, would they? Well, actually, they might, after they've paid for Alice's detox. 
they might have to scrimp and save a little bit. Vivian Timmings put on a post that greatly amused me, largely because of the questions that it asked about how the parents and grandparents would react to the fallout from Thursday's episode. There were so many questions on this post that it put me in mind of the TV programme Soap and I could hear the tune of the programme playing in my head and the voiceover man asking all the questions. It always used to end confused. You won't be when you hear next week's episode of Soap. I don't know whether anybody else can actually remember that being on the television. I think it was an American programme, but I'm not 100% sure. Poor Mia. Oh dear. She's setting up a, a really bad fall, isn't she? With a crush on Rory. Which everybody seems to know about, but Rory. Rory seems blissfully ignorant of Mia's feelings and just thinks she's just happy. Well, I think we know different. And in homage to this, Witherspoon's snap this week was all about whether you have had a first crush and if you had, did you declare it to the person that you had the crush on? Well, I didn't answer this question, but many people did. I wasn't brave enough. Helen Winter wanted to know whether Archer's fans would have stood in for Lee in the modelling when it came to Russ's class. Lots of people said they wouldn't. In addition to this, I put on a poll and my question was, will Pip and Rex finally get together? There was a lot of giggling and flirting going on, wasn't there, after they had made up after their argument? So I guess time will tell. Some people are saying that there might actually be a triangle, a love triangle between Pip, Rex and Lily. Hmm, that could be interesting, couldn't it? Well, I think that's it from me for another month. So take care, everybody, and I will speak to you all very soon. Bye for now. Thank you so much, Lillian. Great. Now, Quentin, are you ready for that time, that time that is known as Tweet of the Week? I live for nothing else, to be honest. <laughs> Come on, I'm then. very excited. I'm excited. Um, so if you're ready, sitting comfortably, we start yes. with a bronze tweet of the week, and he's featured on the podium before, but he's he's a goodie. It's Dominic Young, whose uh, Twitter handle is at Budgie500, and he put this one out. This is from Fallon, initially. So Fallon says, Your daughter's a train wreck. Tony, hi, did someone say train <laughs> Everyone, <laughs> bugger off, Tony. Oh, <laughs> oh Tony. Lovely. Anyway, Dominic, that earns you a bronze. Well done. So we then go to Silver Tweet of the Week. And this, remarkably, it's from uh, one of my favourite tweets, Her Holiness Pope Millis, sorry, Her Holiness Pope Mrs. Trellis the First. Uh, the Twitter handle is at the only way is up. Now, normally Her Holiness's tweets are riddled with the vernacular, shall we say, very rich and um, uh, florid, shall we say, in terms of uh, language. But this one doesn't have one swear word in it. And um, this is an imagined conversation between Joy and Russ by the looks of it. So here we go. 
This film from Joy initially. Is there a problem? Uh, oh, hello, Joy. Well, it seems Lee has dropped out. Oh, I'll do it. Uh, well, um, uh, you, you have already stripped off. Uh, okay, then. <laughs> let, let, let me get you a scarf. Or, or maybe a pashmina. <laughs> Brilliant. That's the silver tweet from Very good. Her Holiness Pope Miss Trellis the First. <laughs> but in gold position, this got a lot of plaudits on Twitter because it is very short and sweet and succinctly clever. And it comes from John Porter, whose Twitter handle is at pie and a pint. So the gold tweet of the week is this They have to let her make an election speech. It's owed to joy. Yay! Yay! Very good. Yes, Very good, and Joy. Oats to Joy. Wonderful. Yeah. So, well done. So Joy features heavily in this week's tweets as well. So she's made it, hasn't she? She's arrived. Joy has arrived. Oh, well, those were very good. And what else is very good is the Dum De Dum website. If you go to dumdedum.com, you can see lots of things that are very interesting, which I can't quite remember now because my brain Tractor. Dead. Tractor, thank you very much. And the podcast roundups, they're very good. There's lots of information. There's a shop that you can buy things on. And, of course, there's the link to Patreon. Now, um, Patreon is very important for this show. You can support us by... Um, um, giving us $2 per show. And that money is used to keep everything going, keeping all the wheels turning. And we are very grateful, very grateful for the support that we get. And we're looking at different ways that we can um, help to sort of reward that that support. So more, more on that soon. And if you don't have $2 a show, you can still help us by writing us a review, particularly on iTunes. If you go on to the website again, you can uh, give us um, five stars and uh, and write a review and we would be so very grateful. So remember, to get in contact, you can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or leave a WhatsApp voice note or text to 07957 167 696, which is plus 44 7957 167 696 if you're outside the UK. And on Twitter, we have the at Dum De Dum team who are doing a great do- job. And uh, do remember to use the capital T and A when you use hashtag the archers. Oh, and we must wish our lovely purple pumpkin a very speedy recovery and uh, hope that she's feeling much better soon. Yes. Get well soon. Thank you to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Shambridge for her amazing voices that now when I'm listening to Kate, I hear Shambridge, Mike Hatton for his character counts, Lucy V. Freeman, and our very own Professor Royfield. Loving yes. it over there at Barclay. Can I, can I just mention one thing before we finish? Yes. Um, Make sure that uh, you go and listen to this week's edition of All in the Mind. It's the psychology of soap operas presented, of course, as usual, by Claudia Hammond. And it, The Archers is featuring, featuring heavily in this programme. She's talking to a number of Archers addicts. She didn't approach us, so obviously we're not addicted enough. So listen in on that programme. It's on uh, Tuesday evening. It will have been broadcast at nine o'clock uh, on BBC Radio 4. And, of course, you can catch up on BBC Sounds. But uh, The Archers is featuring heavily... In yes, well, one of our own Jane Bramley oh, is, she on it? is is going to be is, is interviewed on it, oh, so it's going to be wonderful hearing from her. So she's going to uh, crow about and 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 fawn and be all dewy eyed about jazz, is she? 
She may mention Jazzo. We haven't had that conversation, but I do know that the wonderful Jane Bramley is is forming part of the show. So she, that's an extra incentive to listen. She will swoon. She is one of his girls. Wow. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, it's been another fun time recording with you both. We've had our hurdles to jump again this week, I think we could say. Uh, Well, that's all been me. So again, guys, apologies. Um, I was... Um, I held Philippa and Quentin back by about four and a half hours today <laughs> because I was, you know, helping to rescue a swan, rescuing Bonnie. So I really do apologise for That's okay. That's okay. holding you guys back. No, Bonnie, don't worry. Bonnie was saved. That's the main thing. Exactly. So dare we get onto the thorny subject of yeah. music? Do either of you have a request? I'm I'm not requesting this week. Well, um. I think I think you should. I think you should insist on PM Dawn just to really upset Royfield. Um, I agree. So we Royfield would very much like some PM Dawn. I mean, whatever we suggest, he's not. He's just going to completely dismiss because he's he just thinks everybody's taste in music is appalling compared to his encyclopedic. Royfield, you know, some of us do know a little bit about music, so <laughs> give us some PM Dawn. Um, I bet he doesn't, just to prove us wrong. But if you if even if you can't bring yourself PM Dawn, then I'd, I'd like a bit. Of, I've been going through checking out my David uh, David Bowie uh, collection, and, you know, uh, just getting getting it up to speed because I realised I, I didn't have much downloaded. So I'd like a bit of David Bowie and Pat Metheny and This Is Not America. By this stage, if he's agreed to run it, the intro should be running underneath. It's a nice intro. So if you just back-time it, Roy feels so that by the time Rosie, myself and Philippa have said goodbye, we're going to hit the lyrics from David Bowie. Well, all will be revealed. So that's it for this week. It's a bye-bye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. Little piece of you. Being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. 
flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.